Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector, and with me, of course, is uh, Robert Hirschfeld. Good afternoon, Rob. Hello, Stephen. Feels like I just saw you. I just, yes, this is our post-VMworld uh, recap, and I know the last couple of podcasts we've been talking about going there, and there was so much that happened there, and uh, we thought we'd cover it, and even better, I thought... Uh, you know, someone who we uh, recently had a podcast with, and I'll introduce again, Niraj uh, Tolia, who's the co-founder and CEO of Kasten. Uh Niraj put out a nice blog post the other day on his thoughts, and I loved it because his thoughts are like extreme, which makes it great. It's not, they're not wishy-washy, which means, Rob, he works well with us because, right, we, <laughs> we, we make the statement and that's it. It's a definitive de facto standard. <laughs> our, our shoe from mouth unpuller, yes. Very helpful. So, uh, so why don't we, uh, you know, why don't we get started? And all three of us have different thoughts. But uh, Naraj, why don't you uh, start us off? Tell us uh, some of your, your general thoughts of the event, impressions, and uh, I know you had some pretty good things about Kubernetes. And I think I think we will talk about Kubernetes a bit today as well. Yeah. Uh, so thanks again for having me, Stephen and Rob. Right? Really enjoyed our previous conversations and look forward to an interesting discussion today. And you know, as you highlighted, I think what our listeners really are looking for is not the sanitized press release version of how events unfolded at VMworld, but really some of the thinking and color behind the decisions because it's going to educate you know, them as to how they react to this. Um, but right overall, the way I, it's been a few years since I last attended VMworld, and it made sense to go this year because I had an inkling of some of the things coming out. And I think VMware has found a way to make itself relevant again, right? through a number of different ways. But it, it, the strategy that they outlined is good. The devil or the risks are going to be in terms of execution over the next 18 to 24 months. Right? Um, and if people were, did not attend or did not follow VMworld on Twitter, or looked at the keynotes, et cetera, I think the highlight for all the listeners today is it was really centered around Kubernetes and what it means for infrastructure over the next few years. VMworld's theme was make your mark this year for VMworld 2019, but I believe Kubernetes is the thing that has made its mark on VMware. So, Niraj, I want to mm -hmm. jump on that because mm -hmm. on the first day, I went to two sessions mm -hmm. that were Kubernetes sessions. And they had uh, and the West building on the top floor, which meant it was the obscure location. Mm -hmm. I seem to always end up in those sessions, never in the main halls. <laughs> and they had this room where they had a developer, and I'll never forget. And there's a ton of people sitting. They had it set for maybe 30. There must have been maybe 60, 70 people standing around as well. And he was trying to explain how to install Kubernetes the open source way, showing a blog to learn how to do it and stuff. Um, I don't know if that's going to work in the VM world. The VM world, uh, the admins. I don't think is that the wrong audience. Well, that's what they're trying to get away from, right? So let's let's nuance this a, a whole bunch, yeah. right? Because, right, they they are, you know, VMware is still mostly an on-premise play, and there's a ton of ton went on in the show about their cloud components and vMotion between clouds and hybrid cloud and things like that, and that that's a whole section that we should talk about. Um, and then, Stephen, you and I went to a whole bunch of edge sessions, so we'll save yeah. time for that at the end of this. But yeah, I, I think their message was don't install Kubernetes. They're they're trying they're trying to get to a point where you have cloud parity because all the cloud vendors have 
integrated Kubernetes support. And so they were presenting basically like, oh, we're just going to integrate Kubernetes into the platform so you don't have to install it. Um, I mean, so that session is sort of, to me, it's not a, a holdover. I think it's still important because I'd love to get the room's, room's opinion of how long the, the, the statements they made take to actually be delivered as product. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you, Rob, you hit on the right point there, that maybe that market or the pain points in installing Kubernetes is going to be a short-term one, where short-term might be 18 months or so. But, and this is something, this is why I like what VMware did, right? I am free with my opinions. If I feel vendors or companies aren't doing the right thing, I highlight that. But from our customer base, right, when we see people that are moving into installing Kubernetes or operating Kubernetes, coming at it from the vSphere background, coming at it from the OpenStack or Linux background, they face a lot of complexity. And what VMware said is, we're going to take this away from you. We're going to embed it within our hypervisor layer, right? So within vSphere, we're going to put it on top of it. We're going to make it push button and the same constructs, the dashboard, the policies you were used to when managing VMs, we will mostly apply that to containers and Kubernetes too. So your on-ramp is going to be a lot smoother and the learning curve will not be as steep as the session you just talked about. <laughs> well, they definitely are, are going after the, don't, you know, you don't have to worry about giving up your VMs. We're going to make containers and VMs have parity um, from that perspective, which I think it, it, boy, there's so many deep topics for this, right? Because, you know, wrapping VMs in, in, or containers in small VMs is great until you start running 10,000 of them, which mm -hmm. the, hypervisors, the hypervisors don't do. They're, they have yep. they have top limits of the number of VMs. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the, there's so many layers in this onion. I want to, I don't want to go all the way down that deep, but, you know, what you described to me has the potential to become an enterprise standard Kubernetes. The, you know, sort of this idea that you're going to have an integrated stack, you show up, there's a way to install Kubernetes from most people's perspective, just like, you know, VMware became the default hypervisor. Mm -hmm. Is that what, is that what, I mean, that, that to me is clearly what they want to do. Is that yes. what they can do here? Is that, it, can, can Kubernetes be that standardized? So deeper question, this is like one more of those onion kind of things. I think on the top level, the answer is yes, the ubiquity of Kubernetes being available everywhere. And it gives VMware this way to push themselves as the potentially leader in this market, right? They've thrown, they've thrown the gauntlet down for the competitors saying, this is what we're doing. Now the ball is in your court to respond. And when you go look at Red Hat, you go look at some of the initial efforts from Google in terms of Anthos as an example. And they've said, we are embedding vSphere everywhere. Today, vSphere is also available on all clouds. We have this SaaS layer, which, you know, there's now they're introducing the SaaS layer, which might be an issue with some of their customers. But they're introducing the SaaS control layer in the form of VMware Transum mission control. But they have said, we will standardize this for you no matter where you're running and we will make it easy for you. You talked about there'll be you know rough edges, but I think some of it's a bridge where the vSphere admin gets comfortable enough with Kubernetes from the vSphere point of view before they switch over into managing Kubernetes all by itself. And I think that's important. Yeah, I, I have a tendency though to think about you know what makes these 
prepackaged components work for Amazon, Google, Microsoft, other clouds is they leverage deeply the resources that are in built into those clouds. Mm-hmm. So that means to do that, you're, you're also going to say, oh, well, the Kubernetes pieces are going to then require you to have vSAN and NSX and right. It, it, it becomes a much more vertically integrated stack, sort of like what Red Hat's been trying to do with OpenStack and say, okay, well, if you want to buy OpenShift from us, first, you're going to buy OpenStack, which has a whole mm-hmm. bunch of services that you need. Um, and now we've, we've gotten deep, deep vendor integrations, right? This is, this is really just an API extension from mm-hmm. that perspective. Yeah. And I think that's the, you hit on a really, really good point there too, because a lot of the announcements are Kubernetes focused, right? Uh, that showed up at VMworld. But when you go dig a little deeper, you go look underneath the hood, all of this is a vSphere play. At the end of the day, VMware as a company revolves around vSphere. And not only have they made vSphere relevant, I think they now have this foothold to be able to say, get vSphere, get Kubernetes, get vSAN, get NSX, all these components of software-defined infrastructure. We will give you this opinionated platform for you to go deploy, whether you're running in a public cloud or on-prem. Buy it all for us, simplify management. Um, and from, right, some people might object to that, but I think there's some power in that story. Cost is a different issue uh, for later discussion, but there's power in that story to say, this is vSphere and all the things that attach to vSphere, ultimately to simplify and help with the customer's end needs, which is to move faster today. And well, this, this to me is the thing about VMware, right? This is really an operator's show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you yes. didn't run around seeing a whole bunch of, of developers, um, you know, third floor of the West Moscone Center it yeah. accepted, which is, I mean, that was the goal for them, right? right. But, but um, you, you didn't, this, you know, VMware is all about this sort of narrow band of operations for people who are using vSphere as the main IT gateway for their company. I, I, to me, the Kubernetes thing makes perfect sense. It's like, they listen to what their where their customers interact with their product, mm-hmm. and they just said, "Oh yeah, we don't want you to have to worry about buying a VMware product, even Pivotal's, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just gonna if you get our, our you get our latest license, which is a nice upgrade story for them, then you will have this what's becoming thought of as a core component of." Uh, infrastructure automation, and then the operators can, you know, be happy that it's there and it's the control point they know. Well, I thought, Rob, I don't know, did either of you guys go over to the lab section? That was on the second floor, and it was amazing how many people were there, and you could test any of their products, and they had a huge board. I have the, I took some of the pictures. I mean, they had hundreds of thousands of VMs running. They were showing how it was being managed, everything imaginable. And they had one-on-one interaction for as long as you want with any VMware, uh, you know, at, they were admins or VMware support sitting there spending hours with people. And, and they were customers from all over. It was quite an impressive uh, setup they had there. And that, to me, is the thing that, that VMware does amazingly well. People, people need to, you know, sort of, I've been to reInvent, been to IBM's uh, Think Shows, I've been to Red Hat Summit which you know, are sort of like, how? Oh, here's a whole bunch of tools that you can build. 
this show had a lot of one-on-one -on -one interaction for helping people solve the problems that they have in front of them. Um, and I, I really, I think that was really powerful. Uh, to me, there, there was a gap though. The, the announcements they were making around Kubernetes were much more future, future statements. And I know there's a ton of people who, in VMware employees who want to go to war with how, how solid this is or how long it's going to take them to get it done. Um, I don't think the customers were worried. They were too busy <laughs> learning how to get their stuff working and expanding. I, my, my feeling was there's a lot of future stuff, but the core people there, they ignored it. They just focused on what was important. As an example, I went to as many edge sessions as I can, and they were not very crowded, as you were in many of them too. So <laughs> yes. the customers were there to worry about what they're doing now. And they trust VMware. I, I, I was impressed with the company. And I, I continue to think they're one of the stronger software companies out there. Um, they yeah, did a good agree. job. Yeah, I would agree Very with that, right? I spoke to a number of people there at the show. And there was, for the traditional vSphere admin, still a lot of head scratching going on. Where what is this Kubernetes thing all about? We live in this echo chamber of Edge, Kubernetes, containers, microservices, Docker, but there's a very large body out there that is still figuring that out. And the future-looking stuff is actually a great play by VMware to say, look, there's this thing you're hearing about. We will be the path for you to get there with less pain than other independent approaches. So trust us the same way you're trusting us for vSphere, and join us in this journey. So it is future looking, right? There's also some tinge of, you know, very acquisition influenced keynotes at the conference, but I think it was mostly coherent to me, which, you know, is a lot more than can be said about some other conferences out there. So one of the other things I noticed, and I've been going to VMworld, I've been a long time, you used to go to the exhibit hall and it was companies that were building solutions on VMware. Mm -hmm. And it was a really an ecosystem hall. There is no more ecosystem hall. Um, there's solutions and store and there's different products that go with it, mm -hmm. but they aren't necessarily an ecosystem built for VMware. I thought maybe one company had it that I saw. And I thought, uh, you know, that that's the, you aren't going to build a solution for VMware and get rich selling I'm, it to their customers. I'm, I'm scratching my head a little bit though because it, you're you're right. The the all other thing that's missing from that perspective is enterprise software people who are basically selling things to run on top of VMware. So right, if and this I, I this is one of my favorite um, sad you know, sad drum beats here is that enterprise software is really taking a beating. This would be a great show. If you wanted to talk to enterprise software users, this would be a great show to sh come to and then sell your enterprise software. And there weren't really anybody selling things that people would install inside of VMware. It, it looked like it was like, you know, here's how you manage your VMware. Here's services that I can use to spin it up. Here's colos where I can make it go. But there wasn't a whole bunch storage of soft, networking soft software people. Well, there's storage and networking around the places where VMware is, you know, not yet taken over the, the to move the, into. But but you're right. There was no enterprise software that I could really that stood out. The cloud guys were there, and I think VMware's done a great job. I have to say, of are they the only one who's kind of I don't want to say neutered the uh, public cloud guys, but they aren't afraid of them. <laughs> and, Maybe they're the only ones that do it. I mean, they go right there and say, hey, you're going to run in here? Great, run on us in here. This is how you do it. And they partner with all the big cloud providers, and they don't, they're not in fear. 
Oh, they're in fear. (laughs) Well, they do a good job of not showing it. I I think they've embraced the fact that they're going to have to have software running in these clouds and that they're not going to be a cloud provider themselves at this point. So um, I I would love to see some real alternatives like and there are some there were some companies there that are trying to offer VMware based cloud infrastructure. Maybe VMware is going to get the licensing right to let let people really compete there instead of BYO cloud. But um, they're in a conflicted. So, so actually, VMware does a lot of business with managed service providers or what they call mm-hmm. cloud service providers now, CSPs, MSPs that have you know not anywhere near the top three scale, but they have a large number of VMs under management on VMware. Generally, oh, yeah. you know, focus on the local market. So there is that ecosystem in there. But you know, Rob and Stephen, I would push back a little on the ecosystem front. I don't know where it is going. I do have an open question about that. But I walked on the show floor, there are obviously solutions building running on top of VMware. But when you mm-hmm. go look at storage, when you go look at data protection, um, when you go look at some of the new cloud native startups that were also there, there are people trying to say, how do I add value to this stack? Mm-hmm. But as Rob mentioned earlier, as the stack gets more vertically integrated, where does it leave the ecosystem? VMware has been traditionally been successful a lot because of just the wealth of options available for customers and choices. And is this getting closed off? Is becoming more of a walled garden is a question to think about. And this is where Kubernetes could open it back up. I would love to see Kubernetes become enough of a standard Mm-hmm. across clouds and enterprises that you could start writing and packaging applications for Kubernetes. And then instead of running a SaaS, I could sell you a Kubernetes service as a licensed product and let you run it, right? And and that gives you control, right? There's a whole bunch of, of traditional software benefits to being able to deliver your software that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, this is where I get excited, right? I think the, the missing ingredient for this has been on-premises Kubernetes when I say on-premises, I really mean self-managed Kubernetes, mm-hmm. um, which could actually be in the cloud too. And then, you know, if if that becomes a, enough of a standard, then we will get people writing, you know, saying, "Look, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to host it for you. I want, I'm going to make it possible for you to run it yourself." Because um, I think we're starting to see, like, with the Capital One breach and you know, a data leakage that the more times your data crosses into different different third-party service boundaries, SASs, then the, the more risk you've you've taken on, on your, your company from that perspective. But there's no alternative today. Yeah, the probabilities add up there. Correct. So I want to I want to jump in, Rob. So one of the big statements said in a keynote <laughs> is uh, that uh, bare metal is slower than virtualization. And then right after that, you sat down in an edge session that was a bit lacking and wrote a great blog about it. And uh, I saw, I think yesterday, that blog showed up on a, a news site or something where someone was quoting you from it. Um, to our listeners, I will make sure to put that in the notes. Uh, do you want to give your thoughts on that uh, bit of an issue, which seemed to be quite interesting and uh, certainly even came up in the IDC briefing I went to during the week? Uh, your comments there. You are uh, a trendsetter. <laughs> I'm the on, authority uh, on bare metal. So the authority of bare metal. Comment about <laughs> bare metal. They people look to me. Yeah, that went to Linux.com. TFIR did a nice interview about that. Um, the new stack. Uh, it, we discussed it in our new stack wrap up. So yeah, there's. Uh, so I don't want to spend too much time in this, but fundamentally, 
VMware said in multiple venues, uh, hypervisors are 8%, they're very concrete, 8% faster than bare metal. Um, and that's a true statement. I, I want to emphatically say you can, you can recreate that. It is not that surprising. Um, and I, I posted on Racken.com some more details. Stephen will include the link. The short answer is NUMA architecture. So we've, we've made CPUs really good at optimizing for VMs on big, high RAM, high CPU count machines. And so you can run multiple operating systems more efficiently than taking the same resources and making one operating system do all the, all the, the resource management without the CPU's benefit. Um, and that's a history of, of us, you know, hugging VMs so hard and deeply for the last 20 years in, in IT um, that we've, we've taken advantage, you know, we've sort of given up on scheduling big machines at the operating system level. Um, that doesn't mean that you're, there's, some, there's no magic involved. The, the point that I make in those articles, and I think it's worth reemphasizing, is that's an expensive machine. <laughs> You're putting a lot of RAM and a lot of resources and a lot of cores into those processors. There's a lot of the people who want to talk about bare metal and Kube on bare metal, Kubernetes on bare metal, or just running bare metal, um, are looking at a different optimization where they're not oversubscribing RAM to get utilization. They're just using a, a, a two core, you know, a, a, two, a two socket or one socket machine or an ARM machine or something like that. In those cases, the, the, the math is different. Um, so your mileage may vary. Yeah. Yeah, as the resident expert here, it's always possible to find a micro benchmark to make your point. So do, you think, <laughs> do you think those results are generalizable or as you stated, really doesn't matter too much because it's about the end use case, whether you talk about better bin packing, better resource utilization, that's the thing to concentrate on versus whether a VM for this benchmark gives you 7% or 8% better performance or 5% less. I mean, what do you think is the right thing to focus on for the listeners here? Oh, yeah. I think how they manage their, their infrastructure is a much more important thing, right? If you're running, at a, if you're running to a point where you're going to get that level of optimization, then you're, you're doing something really, really powerful because you're, you're maxing out your machines. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would, I would really look at ways that you can improve your utilization, which in a lot of mm -hmm. cases is use more containers um, mm -hmm. because that lets you bin pack better. Um, but yeah, most, most people would never see that. It's a great headline, um, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's not, it's not an architectural, it's not an architectural. Not that we would be involved in headlines for promotion. I, I, I am super <laughs> delighted that people are talking about bare metal anytime, any, any way they want to do it. Um, yeah, and no such and thing as the, bad publicity. Yeah, and for the, for the record, and this is one of the things, one of my takeaways from the show is that people at that show don't care about bare metal. Um, and and, and you're, everybody's like, well, of course not. It's VMworld. You got to install it. And today people are spending a lot of money with a lot of consulting dollars and a lot of hyper-converged pre-wired appliances to make that stuff work instead of fixing the root level problem. Um, which is really what I saw at that show was like, yeah, we just, somebody installed VMware. We don't know who or care how, and we, we just use it. Um, it's the serverless computing thing. As we said, there is no server. It's serverless. <laughs> I mean, I, I, to this day, I love, I love that. And for our listeners, you should go on Twitter, follow Cloud Opinion uh, for great commentary. 
He's been discussing serverless 2.0 of what it is. Oh, and uh, it's quite funny. Well, I, I think this is good. Oh, I do, go ahead. I, I, no, I want to make sure we talk about Edge a little bit more because yeah. I think you, know, you and I both found Edge very disappointing um, at that show, um, which is surprising to me because I think Edge is – VMware owns the Edge today. Um, and it, it seemed a little strange to me how hard they – how much trouble they had articulating it. Did, did you have a, a takeaway from the Edge sessions? I, I'm, I'm happy to share mine. Yeah, well, the big thing for me is they weren't well attended. Mm. Um, and so, again, coming back to who their customer base is, where they are, um, they're not there. Um, I thought their IoT stuff they showed us with the gateways and, um, you know, they have projects, they have open source stuff. I mean, it looks like they're doing all the right things in that space. But if their customer base isn't interested in that space, then they're going to have some problems trying to reach out to those customers looking for that space because I wouldn't naturally expect to go to VMware to do edge stuff. Uh, um, if I'm an external person mm -hmm. not using VMware, um, I thought I thought that was interesting. Um, I, I mean, some of the demos were neat. The guys from Hex, I think, was it Hexa? Shoot, no, I can't. Hive Hexa? Hive, Hive IO. High five! Uh, yeah, I'm working to get these guys in. Uh, they're they have these. I, I we really will we will definitely we're we're yeah. we're talking to them. It's, Naraj, it's a, I don't know if you saw these guys. They have these um these yellow servers. boxes. Yeah, and they're yeah, like they, I like the design. They, yeah, they do mm -hmm. battery the and transmission through um, magnetism or something instead of plugging them in. I, I don't know. We'll we'll have them on. I thought it was neat, but um, so let's say let's save that for a show because I, I yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited about I'm that super coming. Curious about that, but. Here's here's my my hot take on it on Edge at VMworld. Most Ed, Edge is being built today using little VMware clusters. There's, that's just what people are yes, doing, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have they don't have a real other alternative, so it's definitely being done. And SD WAN is the is the way Edge is being wired together, um, which 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 are both of those things are are available to technologies today. Um, the, there's no management story there, um, short of I talked to vCenter or vSphere at the edge or, you know, to manage that cluster and then hope that I can maintain the clusters. But when we talk to people in industry, and a lot of them don't end up on this show, I have a lot of, you know, sort of walk walkabout conversations. There's a ton of people just setting up VMware clusters in edge locations that could be retail stores. It could be doctor's offices. It could be, you know, mm -hmm. telco. And putting connecting things together with SD WAN and you know saying I'm I've you know mission accomplished, um, and I would you know maybe that's Edge one one zero and what everybody's really talking about is Edge two coming. Um, but that even that story, it's like VMware really felt like they weren't talking about managing vCenter in small environments. Um, no. And here's the thing, I do think VMware has a missed opportunity here because when you know, the large retailers that have multiple edge presences that are running application stacks on Kubernetes on vSphere, right? and maybe it's what you stated, it's edge, you know, it's a, not the edge that's making all, that has all the buzz right now, but it's what is working in production out there. And I think they could tie together a great story around this and combine the central themes within the company. And it, I'm surprised that I we didn't see more at the show. 
And it could be just the VMware story is so much more interesting. Sorry, the Kubernetes story is so much mm -hmm. more interesting. And this is where I think it gets it gets super, you know, fascinating. If you can take a, little, a five node system, you know, take all the new Kubernetes pieces, merge them into to vSphere, you might actually have a nice little edge infrastructure that mm -hmm. is Kubernetes or VMs. And mm -hmm. and I think. The, the thing that the message that gets missed, and I, I actually think VMware stomped on this message a little bit themselves. We are going to have VM and container adjacent workloads mm -hmm. forever. And so the idea that I'm going to only have containers, only have VMs, you know, this show hopefully put, put a nail in the coffin for that concept. But that's really where people should be thinking. It's um, uh, hybrid is the, is the right but wrong word here. It's a mixed environment. Um, yep. And that's yeah. that's what we should be seeing. I, Let's I think go multi because that aggravates no, everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's multi cube, not just yeah, Kubernetes. Mixed media. So, Naraj, before we go, can you just mm -hmm. give us some final thoughts you have? And uh, and then again, I appreciate you. Uh, joining us to talk about the show. And I, somehow, I, 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 Rob, I didn't run into Naraja. We should have met up, and I apologize. You need to get invited but, to the right dinner, Stephen. <laughs> well, I don't get invited to any dinners. Please, <laughs> no one knows. We will fix that. We will fix that. But we'll make it a point for the next show. But no, I think, you know, I'm excited about everything coming out of VMworld. Uh, it has laid out their roadmap. They need to execute on it strategically they made the right moves in my mind and they've spent a lot of money and not just time and resources and not just in terms of acquisitions to make this happen so this is not accidental excited about that there are a couple of things we'll have to keep an eye out on things like cloud foundry getting deprioritized which is an issue for people that have invested a lot in that um, but overall i like where vmware is taking their customers and i'm very excited to see this evolve over the next few years so a, glow, a glowing review. I, I, I think that was a good wrap-up. I agree with your sentiment. And, and uh, my company may never let me travel again after Rob and I had a hamburger and chicken sandwich for over $50 <laughs> across the street from... <laughs> they were travel uh, fries. <laughs> oh, they were... Is that what it is? You ordered the $40 fries and didn't tell me? That's I mean, exactly Norris, what happened. Norris, when did San Francisco get twice as expensive as it used to be? Uh, you know, I, I live here. You don't want to talk about cost of living. People have, you know, culture shock when they come here. When they say that costs what again? Right? There's not even real estate. Yeah. Mm. I was at Go the ahead. gaming developer conference about four months ago. And, you know, it was not near as expensive. I think they raised the prices for VMworld. Uh, that's all I can say. And the other thing I should make mention of is the puppy encounter that uh, was done was a pretty impressive thing. I know I spent an hour with the puppies. Either of you try that out. <laughs> it was too crowded when I walked by. <laughs> it was tempting. It was a great idea. Hey, if you're going to give shout outs to things where, where, where you, you, where you, you put an hour in and got a lot of reward. Uh, yeah. Uh, Eric Wright, Disco Posse did a great job organizing the V fit runs too. Um, this is a good show. I mean, there's a lot of community, uh, that's built around these environments, right? Whether it's puppies or runners um, uh, or expensive truffle fries. Um, <laughs> it, truffle it, it, fries. This is a good show.
Well, I'm not. Naraj, don't take Rob out to lunch. That's the excuse. <laughs> and and if he wants dinner, forget it. McDonald's is top of the line. You're yeah. a startup. You know? uh, next time the both of you are in town, at least drinks are on me, and we'll figure out an appropriately priced dinner place. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to both of you again, and to our listeners. We hope you uh, enjoyed our recap. And uh, if you want to join us, if you were at the event and you wanted to talk about something, you know, contact Robert or myself. We're happy to uh, bring you on and uh, we will talk to everyone again soon. Thanks.